You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. You may know Australian actress Teresa Palmer for her current role as Diana Bishop in the TV series A Discovery of Witches. Or maybe it's from one of the many films she's starred in, like Hacksaw Ridge. If you follow her on Instagram, you'll know she's a dedicated mum to four. Stepson Isaac, who's 12, Bodhi, who's six, Forrest, who's three, and Poet, who's just one, and currently on her mum's boob. So if we hear her, we know what's going on. But not to, not content to juggle these balls, she's also just released a book with bestie Sarah Wright Olson. It's called Zen Mummers, Finding Your Path Through Pregnancy, Birth and Beyond. And she joins us on the phone now, shut in the car and hopefully getting Poet to sleep. Hi, Teresa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for bearing with me. I don't know what happened to my sitting situation today. My it's... husband's um, working, so here we are. <laughs> Can I just say that is the perfect example of your life as it is right now, <laughs> juggling all those many balls and something I think everybody understands. Um, but let's start with the title of this book because um, it's called Zen Mummers and, and it has a lot of Zen has a lot of connotations, doesn't it? And it does. I, I think perhaps your experience this morning demonstrates how how your life, your normal life, is not floating on a cloud. So, what does Zen yeah. mean to you? Yeah, it's a really it's an interesting one because um, Zen for me is the idea of actually finding balance. So, I do think it's synonymous with many words, um, and I think. It almost, it gives this false um, idea of perfection, of just being calm at all times. But that's, to me, not what Zen is. Zen is just embracing the chaos of parenting and, and riding the ebbs and flows and and um, realising that every day is going to feel and look a little bit different, and that's okay. So I like to call it Zen-ish. I tried to, do, <laughs> I tried to ask um, if we could call the book Zen-ish, but we definitely had some pushback on that. Um, oh, so, I love that title. I think it, parents relate oh, to that. I love the title. I had an, the idea that you could cross out, you'd cross out the Zen and just like scribble-ish next to it. That was my big idea. I was like, oh, that'll be amazing because that really speaks to the heartbeat of the book. Um, but um, yeah, no one agreed with Sarah and I. <laughs> so then, but we did win it. We won a few other little battles and they were quite important for us in the actual book. So it is about being Danish and embracing the messiness of parenthood and um, letting go of that self-critical voice as hard as that is. Um, with all the mummy guilt that floats around. So is lockdown helping you with that concept of Zen in terms of riding those waves or is it making it more of a challenge? Oh, I've just been riding the waves, absolutely. Um, in some days I feel like I'm really in flow with everything and other days it's just messy as that. This morning was one of those days. <laughs> <laughs> um, the kids were just so crazy, needed to be outside, um, felt really bored. And I, I think we've done a really good job at kind of meeting the kids where they're at. So some days 
they really want to, um, you know, explore the land and they're down for all the ideas you come up with, all the different adventures and scavenger hunts. And, and then other days they're like, just let me watch TV all day long. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not the only parent who's been having to navigate that. But, yeah, so we're just riding the waves. And, and, and I'm not being hard on myself. I think I'm just trying to take the pressure off and realize that, you know, the kids are going to be fine. Yeah. And um, I just wonder, yeah, I just wonder when this is all going to shift again and things will go back to a semblance of normal. But we'll see. So part of lockdown is, of course, school holidays now. It's about to – school holidays are ending in New South Wales this week. Yeah. And I personally am terrified about going back to some idea – like schooling, homeschooling before the holidays was a bit of a joke because it's like, oh, school holidays are soon. I don't have to put in too much effort. But now that the term two is actually starting, I'm like, damn, I'm going to have to take this seriously. How have you been managing homeschooling? Because you've got such different ages. Obviously, Poet doesn't need to worry about it (laughs) just yet. And maybe even Forrest. Well, he he really wants to be involved with what Bodhi's doing. So if I'm doing mummy school with Bodhi, Forrest wants to partake in that same activity. So homeschooling has been interesting. It's some days it's very colourful and it goes really well and then other days I feel like I'm constantly interrupted and I'm juggling the three different ages. Um, Poet's one, but she's a real mummy's girl right now, so she has to be with me at all times, which I find really challenging as I'm trying to work through reading with Bodhi and you know, Forrest has been really interested in learning how to write his name. So it's just... It's so full on. Yes. Um, And my husband's been working so much, so he can every now and then grab one of the younger two, but a lot of the time it's just running between the three of them. And I think for the first two weeks of homeschooling, I felt as though I had to do a full nine to three day, like at school, (laughs) which is just the most exhausting experience. And I, the kids would get dressed in their uniform and I would pack lunches (laughs) and I had this whiteboard with everything scheduled out. Um, You know, we're doing PE from this time to this time and then we're going to do reading and then we're doing math. But then... um, I spoke to a friend of mine who actually is a homeschool teacher and she said, take the pressure off. You only need about two hours of learning a day because they're having one-on-one learning. It's really different from being in school where there's, you know, they're one of 18 students. So they're not having that dedicated one-on-one time. So two hours of that is wonderful. <laughs> and, um, and she said, just what a relief. work around their interests. Yeah, and so she's like, oh, because Bodhi's really into Pokemon right now. So what we've been doing is taking his Pokemon cards and figuring out ways to utilize subtraction and addition with his cards. And we we add the numbers up of all the different players and we figure out who wins the battle and it keeps him engaged. And also it's just so much more fun for me. (laughs) Um, And it's been a great way to do it. So we've really been doing passion-based learning um, and I, I think I've figured it out. I think I've got it. <laughs> oh, I love that because I was going to ask you how to keep them motivated because both my kids 
Um, they're going to struggle when we go back to schooling after the holidays. They're going to really struggle mm. with the concept of not playing all the time, which I'd love to just let them do, but mm-hmm. you, know, you can't you can't drop it all completely. Um, let's talk about yeah. your book um, for the moment as well. What made you decide to write this book given everything else you had on your plate? Um, well, initially, Sarah and I were quite hesitant to write the book simply because we were busy and we, I, I don't know, I think that self-critical voice came up again as it does as a parent and we just, we both thought, oh, you know, we're not experts and we're, we're just mummies and, um, but then we were really encouraged by our community and we realised that they've been sharing so much with us over the years that it's a beautiful way to take all of this knowledge we've learned and put it all down in a book and people can take what they like and leave what they don't and um, our, our, I guess the main heartbeat of this book is about following your mama intuitive voice and we just wanted, we just decided that let's do this, let's jump at this opportunity and and somehow we managed to do it. There was a lot going on and I still look back on that time and think, how? Why? How? What? <laughs> um, but we're really proud of the book and, and really happy that it's, it's landed with people in such a beautiful way. It seems as though it's bringing a source of comfort right now, which is what I think everyone needs. When you say your community, you're referring to your website? That's right. Your Zen Mama, our, our online community, I guess through Instagram as well as our website and so it is a platform for any mother to have a voice. Anyone can share their stories, which I think is probably unique from some of these other mummy websites um, where it's really curated and written by only experts or only the people that run the site. We have decided to make it a platform accessible to anyone so that if, if you have some amazing you know, mum hack that you want to share with the community, you can write up an article and we'll publish it. So it's been it's been lovely just to to meet all these different contributors and you really feel like you're getting to know their story is lovely. I'm I just I feel really inspired by people and I think in motherhood there needs to be less separatism and more togetherness, less judgment of the other ways that people are navigating parenting because it's such an intimate and individual experience and there's room for all of us to have our own way with it. Now, you have a whole chapter on pregnancy loss, which I don't think I've ever seen in a book like this, Mm -hmm. one that addresses pregnancy and birth. Why did you decide to dedicate a whole chapter to it? I think it's really important to talk about pregnancy loss. When I experienced my own loss back in 2015, I didn't have anywhere to go to find what I needed. People weren't I feel as though people weren't really opening up about it so much back then. And um, and I, in particular, had this rare form of pregnancy loss called a molar pregnancy. And so I didn't know anyone who had experienced that. And I just, I had nowhere to turn. And a lot of the, and I was so excited about being newly pregnant. I had pulled out all my pregnancy books again and um, and I was reading up on everything. And none of them included pregnancy loss. It was just focused on having a healthy pregnancy and I thought you know Sarah and I just thought as we were writing the book 
that's not representative of a woman's experience. If we're talking about 25% of pregnancies can end in miscarriage, then why why isn't this included more in these books? And I have to say, it's probably been the, the number one thing that people have been talking about with our book is just how comforting it was to the um, a chapter, an entire chapter dedicated to it and all the different types of pregnancy loss and, and grief and what how do you feel when you're pregnant after you've experienced the loss because I certainly felt extremely anxious my whole pregnancy with Forrest. I remember sobbing the last five weeks of my pregnancy. I was so nervous that I would experience losing him in those last five weeks um, and I, I was just so triggered by my previous experience, and and we just wanted we wanted to write about that and say we feel you, we hear you, you're not alone, and here are some resources to help you. The other chapter you have that I haven't seen much uh, covered is called the mind, which I love. Um, yes. Tell me what's included in that chapter. Yeah, so the last part of the book, it's about your postpartum experiences and we decided to break it up into um, your baby, your body and your mind because look we have so many hormones fluctuating and especially in the first few weeks after having a baby it is it's just such a transformative period of time and it's it's very sensitive and um, there's a lot going on and I I really wanted um, people to connect with the idea that you're going to feel a little bit wonky and it's okay to feel off and when your lows feel too low how can you recognize that Um, what are some of the signs who can you reach out to what steps can you take how can you be productive in handling what you're navigating Um, and I felt felt like again I hadn't read enough about that um, my husband experienced postpartum anxiety. I didn't even know there was a word for what he went through. And it was just a really confusing time after Poet's birth. I, I just I didn't understand what was happening. And now there's, there's a name, I can put a name to it and we can unpack what those, what that week looked like for us and why he was triggered in that way. He was very protective of her and um, didn't want anyone to touch her or go near her. And it was, and for me as a, as a, you know, newly, well, I had had two children before, but every time you bring home a new baby, it's just a learning curve. Each baby's very different. And I was trying to find my groove with her and my husband was going through all these big feelings, um, and it was really quite isolating for both of us. So that's why we decided to, to write about it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's important. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really lovely, heartfelt book, and I think it's going to help a lot of women. Teresa, thank you so much for speaking with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so sorry about the chaos of the morning. (laughs) Very representative of my life right now. (laughs) Totally fine. We get it. Oh, thank you. That's Teresa Palmer, actress and co-author of Zen Mummers with Sarah Wright Olsen. And we'll put links in the notes of this episode for where you can find a copy of the book. 
Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.